Niggas used to freak the black. Niggas stop doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Niggas said stop freaking the black. <laughs> oh. This man brought freaking the black, bro. Niggas done got lazy. <laughs> they don't do that shit anymore. <laughs> Niggas straight out the pack. Lighten that hoe. Alpha ain't no loosening hes- nothing. No hesitation. <laughs> nah, this shit thick as fuck. <laughs> shit crazy as hell, dog. You remember when niggas was on blacks and shit? That's when niggas was fashionably wearing uh, black forces. It wasn't like a term that you just showed people. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you know you mean violence every every time? Yeah, <laughs> it I wasn't think, that sign then. I think you're showing your age because I don't even remember black forces being fashionable. With the beyond, stiff ass five hundred one. Uh, I don't know, like mean? ninth grade. I don't know. I didn't know niggas was rocking black forces in uh, the recent future or recent history. Niggas for sure black forces. Niggas for sure was rocking felines. Like, come on. Recently? nigga Jeff. At a time that we was smoking blacks? No, when you was outside. Niggas was smoking. I mean, Alex, I I mean. (laughs) Y'all putting me on. You got to think about what niggas was smoking. Like when blacks were like commonplace. I'm talking about when you were, though. I ain't never smoked black. I mean, but I'm saying the era of niggas growing up to the point that they may partake growing in the up, black. Bro. I'm saying, growing I mean, up, I'm not. He lies two for eighty nine, ninety nine. Niggas had the five hundred one I mean, Jeff, niggas I had, had two for eighty nine felines, but I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't know what nigga. I wouldn't know that niggas was smoking blacks at that time. I guess that's my point. Niggas, the Reggie era, nigga. You don't remember that shit. <laughs> No, niggas, niggas hop that. on the podcast and forget, don't they, Jeff? I was niggas, not a part I, of that, niggas, bro. Niggas act, niggas act hey, like they they, they been a rapper weed forever. Wow. That never <laughs> even crazy. crept into what I That's was crazy. going. Talk. I don't know, bro. This nigga. So you, so so you stopped being aware of niggas wearing black forces after the sixth grade. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. Uh, you know. Okay, I remember when people wore black forces, but I just feel like. In high school, I don't remember people wearing black forces. Like, people wearing them fashionably. You know, of course people wore them, but, like, I don't know. Like, niggas wear J's and all the different type of forces that came out. And then occasionally, you know, you got your all-white forces. But I didn't remember niggas rocking all-black forces unless they subscribe to the all-black force lifestyle. They chose violence. <laughs> Gucci <laughs> man on you black tee, huh? You know, if... if <laughs> If if they wore them, those were the only shoes they had. You know, they rocked the no. all black forces every day. I mean, niggas rock forces, but it was there's a point where like forces weren't in style. They weren't out of style type shit, but they wasn't in style. But niggas was and they was they, they was getting forces. the same. They was getting that same. You remember the Reebok Classic treatment? You would cop a <laughs> pair of Reebok Classics, the black and white joints at the beginning of the school year, or you cop the white and black forces. Or if you chose to, you know, rock the felines, you would you would cop the black and white felines. I mean, that's yeah. it, mm. maybe maybe it was just me. Maybe you only got two pairs of shoes, nigga. Only two pairs like, of shoes, nigga. 
you to start the school year off, you getting two <laughs> brand new pair, one black because it go with everything, one white because it go with everything, and you right. you could either pick the Reebok Classics, the Forces, or the Felines because that was back when you feel me. Uh, <laughs> Foot Locker used to run the uh, <laughs> the Too the plain ready, white shirt uh, deals. You get five of them bitches for twenty dollars. <laughs> now look. Hey. The plain tees now definitely used to buy the pack, man. I mean that, you know, bro. But let's that's let's acknowledge that niggas were there was a time where not necessarily like people the majority prefer black forces, but there was a time when niggas was like, nah, you getting black forces because the white forces got scuffed up, dingy way too quick, way too quick. <laughs> Way like, too clear, Like AC, hey, don't act. I mean, you know, don't don't get brand new. Hey, you seen folks look, with forces, bro? Look, you know if that's if that's what y'all was on, man, that's perfectly fine with me. It's no, it's no hate. Like it ain't. There's I no animosity. You know what I'm saying? But I'm okay with a tick. Every time. And by the time, <laughs> by the time I hit the seventh grade, I mean it was it was white forces and. Something else, you know what I mean? Nike, Nike's, Nike socks, Nike Jays and Sperry's and shit. I mean, yeah. By the Alex time I hit eighth grade, that's when it was nothing but Jays and and, and y'all remember Levi's shoes? Like y'all remember Levi's shoes? Was y'all into them? No, I never had uh, a pair. Yeah, I don't, those never made it down to uh, good old never Columbia, run. Jeff. I ain't even gonna hold you. Yeah, they, they, they rock those just, It was man. just like Vans, bro. They had a, they had a quick way. The canvas. Oh, for real. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, shout out to the Black Force wearers, man. You know, um, y'all uh, making Nike proud. And can you can do they still even have uh, Black Forces on the shelf? Like, can you get those on the shelf, or you got a special? Watch out, bro. Hey, don't do all that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, does East Bay still have a website, nigga? Come on, man. <laughs> like there was a time I'm telling you where I was like, I need me a pair of Black Forces in my rotation, type shit. Like mm. niggas want to act different on Twitter and shit, bro. But and you was getting pussy at this time too, huh, Jeff? Bro, that's neither here nor there. Like nigga, I was <laughs> I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no, y'all got it though. This nigga said we got it. You gonna introduce the show, AC? Sure, man. I can do that. I can do that, man. What's good? It's your boy AC, man. Uh, welcome to After Five Podcast, your weekly vibe. We are continuing our quest to break down 2020, man. What a hectic year. Um, you know, in the, in the way that we're doing this, we are joined by a guest, and I'm going to let him speak in a minute. But, you know, we it's, it's so much that happened in the year of 2020 that we really had to break it down by category this episode. It's really dedicated to sports, man. I mean, what uh, I think a historic year in sports, 2020, because of obviously the pandemic put a lot of seasons on pause and put a lot of people into panic and how we could ever even play sports. And we talked a lot about it here on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm even quoted by saying, ain't no way sports going to come back. Ain't no way NBA going to come back. No way NFL is happening. There is no way. Uh, But we know I was horribly wrong. On that, uh, and because I'm wrong, we have some things to break down. So obviously, it's me, AC, and I'm also joined by who? Who is that? It's your boy oh. Navy. Who? 
the other host of the show, your boy Nate B. Who the fuck is that? I mean, you feel me? The other nigga on the show. I don't. Oh. I, I mean, I'm not. Go, I'm not doing. I'm not doing the nicknames in 2021. You feel me? I'm giving the AKAs a little break. Uh, yeah, we heard you the first few weeks of the year. So, nigga, why you continue to ask me what? I just don't know who you are, bro. I just, <laughs> I just, you know, that's just niggas, the honest truth. <clears throat> niggas put on a scully to record and just get in a bag, Jeff. Hey, man, shout out, coach. shout out, you know, supporting black business, man. Supporting black business. It's a little cold in here. Shout out What's to people who you support. What's the black business, bro? Shout them out. You know, shout out Josh, man. Josh Walker, man. I got the Hollywood Scully on. Don't do me like that, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm always uh, supporting people who I support, you know? That's why you in your bag. Okay, okay. I ain't even mad at it. I'm not mad at it. But I'm I'm, I'm, I'm cool, AC. Uh, ready to jump into sports. We got our guy here. Uh, I don't think you've never had like a solo episode, have you, huh? Nah, I think uh, we did a few wrap ups. So, so y'all get y'all get to hear uh, the voice that you just heard. You know, is our guy Jeff, but we'll let him introduce himself in his own way. Uh, but but definitely uh, strap yourselves in because this guy has a lot of uh, great insight, especially <laughs> in the sports world. So, go and tell the people who you are, Jeff. Shit, uh, I wouldn't say I got a lot of insight, but I'm obviously here because. Nate thinks I have some type of expertise. Uh, my name's Jeff, based in Atlanta. Appreciate y'all boys having me back. Hey, Jeff from Atlanta, man. He's here. Okay, man, so we're going to go ahead and get into this thing. Uh, where you want to start, Nate B? Let's start at the top of the year. So the top of last mm. year started off with a scandal. Like, I mean, what else would 2020 have started with? <laughs> but wow. a fucking scandal. Uh, the Astros, the Astros, it was found out that they were stealing signs in their World Series run. And the sports world was taken by storm. I believe like before we started recording, Jeff, you said like the Astros, I'm not a baseball fan, so I can't even pretend to know a whole lot about this shit. But was the Astros win in the Super Bowl historic? Were they like an underdog or something? First of all, uh, that nigga said the Super series. Bowl. It was the World Series. But what did I say? You said, said the Super Bowl. Bowl. Oh my God. Uh, if I want to. Clearly, you don't know. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was their first like championship in the city since uh, mm. the Rockets. So it had been a mm. minute, and it was kind of just like a feel good story. And I don't. What was, uh, do you recall the series? I'm not sure if they came back or anything, but nonetheless, like, Sports Center was portraying that shit like it was a feel good story. The Astros win, Astros win. And then it comes out mm-hmm. that they're stealing signs, and that even if you, like, pay attention close enough in the celebration, the guy, when he's running into uh, home base, he's like, yo, don't yank off my jersey, don't yank off my jersey. And it's just kind of a stain in sports. In betting, because I know if I'm betting on on baseball and I find out that the reason why my team ain't win or whoever I'm betting on didn't win because they still in signs, I'm pissed. Mm. 
You know, Jeff, I ain't never even think about the betting aspect of it. Like, you know how much money niggas lost? Like, on the, and just, I want to give clarification. They won the championship in 2017. Uh, but they say that during that season, they're accused of the stealing signs as well as a little bit of uh, the 2018 season. But the investigation was kind of concluded uh, as of January of 2020. But, yeah, a lot, hella money was lost because niggas was cheating. So, if, if I placed a bet at that time, I mean, I would – I'm like, bruh. I mean, I guess it ain't nothing the, the sports people can do or the, the booking people, but that's wild. Yeah, but you just question the integrity of the sport and why, as a fan, why am I going to stay tuned, like tune into something that they're, they're cheating? Like, because we all hear about different sports, like – when LeBron came back from the 3-1, like, this shit's rigged, whatever. Aisha Curry tweeted out, this shit's rigged. And you like, shit, is this shit rigged? <laughs> like, like how's, how's a team that went 73-9 that went and nine lose three straight games? The same way that they had just figured out a way to uh, win three straight. Fair enough. True. But <laughs> were the, I mean, were to, the Warriors cheap? To the point. Did they... Because they start off, I believe, like twenty five game win streak, something crazy. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think they cheated. It's just like, I think when it comes to sports, especially when it comes to like baseball and basketball and football specifically, there are histories of confirmed cheating, right? Like we know for a fact that there were refs in the NBA in a period of time in the NBA where we was like, these motherfuckers is cheating. And then it came to, it came to find out that they was cheating. So it's like, you think about Pete Rose in baseball, like until this Houston Astros shit, Pete Rose was one of, if not the biggest stains on baseball, because I mean, people can say what they want to about fucking steroids, but steroids is the only reason baseball is still, around right now in America. So it's like the Pete Rose betting shit, people can say what they want to about how Deflategate ended out or what was what was real, what was fake. The fact that we aren't aware of the things that these players see as advantages is like, I can't tell you whether or not a football being slightly underflated, it, this percentage is going to give us a better chance of winning. But if they say that that's cheating and people consider it cheating, at that point, it's like it's hard to decipher these things. And the Astros shit was just an example of blatant cheating. Like, right. It was to the point where they couldn't even come face to face with it because they didn't they had nothing else that they could say besides like. I mean, yeah, we did this shit. I mean, yeah, we did it. <laughs> Niggas couldn't deny it to the end. Niggas had to really be like, yeah, we sorry. So that's how we started 2020. A feel-good story. Mm. <laughs> Wiped away. That shit should have been. And you know, it, it was a lot of players, right? It was a lot of players in the league at that time, too, who was pretty upset about that, man. Oh, they was you pissed. Know. You and know, I don't that's when niggas was throwing balls at the Astros and shit, you know, following that. And you had you had like, some what, Astros spring, players spring who weren't even on their team. And they was like, shit, nigga, yeah, they fucking me up. And I wasn't even here for <laughs> nigga. I was on the other team. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I wasn't even in the league yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was that was that was how we started 2020, and then of course, you know, we can't start off the year without getting into college football, and LSU was dominant, like the 2019 yeah. 2020 season. Like we, I don't know about y'all, I felt like LSU was one of, if not the best, college football teams I had seen. In recent history, for sure. Yeah, in recent history. And just the impact that they had on – they were one of those college football teams that had some level of pop cultural impact. Like Joe Burrow's name change, the uh, dance that they would do that was going viral. I mean, it was one of the – it was one of the dances that made – It was one of the dances that that made TikTok, you know, become what it was. Mm. What dance was that? Uh, you remember? Is it get 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 the money? Is it get oh, the it was it get the gap? Was it get the gap? Yeah, get the gap. Get the gap. Yeah, that was popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They had people like people didn't even know what it was. You had, you know, prim and proper people who otherwise would not have, you know, been doing something like this out there like, get the gag, get the gag, get the gag. So, and how could you not root for Joe Burrow with his story? With him uh, coming from Ohio State, transferring in, I believe he was the third string quarterback of Ohio State, transferring in, getting a job, and this dude's if you're senior, wins the mm-hmm. Heisman, leads the team to a national, gets all the accolades on the way, and then wins a national championship. It just shows in, I think, in recent history, a lot of college athletes, especially in basketball, it's like you come in, freshman, hit the ground running. Uh, football, originally... It wasn't like a freshman's come in, hit the ground running, but recently freshmen have to come in, hit the ground running. And it just was a good story to hear, like, sticking to it, finding your place, and just falling through. Yeah. Same with uh, Jalen Hurts at uh, Oklahoma. And um, Jalen Hurts losing his job to uh, Tua, who obviously went on to – when the Heisman and was deservingly so, but then he transferred to Oklahoma, did numbers, and now he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I thought all three of those stories were pretty good. I mean, I definitely agree. And and like Nate said, I mean, even at that time, there was, you know, when we talk about one of like the best college football teams, while, you know, it's, I don't really believe in ever saying that one team is like the best ever, but you know, you know that your team is historic when, you know, these big publications like ESPN are, uh, you know, they start running like, okay, who are the best teams? Like, is this team possibly one of the best teams? Uh, and Joe Burrow really showed his impact just by, you know, when he left. I mean, we saw what happened to LSU. So, and, I mean, obviously they did lose a lot of starters, but, you know, when you have a prolific quarterback like that, um, you know, it shows a lot about your program. But that was a historic year. And um, you know, who'd they beat? Clemson in the in the championship? 
Is that who they beat? Now you remember who they beat in the championship? Who is that? LSU. Who did they beat? Was it Clemson? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They had five players drafted in the first round, too, which was a record. Yeah, that's wild. Like, just imagine, it's like, yo, four of your other teammates, yeah, we finna get paid. <laughs> like, we first round. That's wild. You don't see that, ever. Mm-mm. But the crazy part of it is, I think we might see it this year. No, we for sure don't. We, we're not for <laughs> sure, but Alabama's it, like that. Alabama, and that's why I said, like, up until that point, like, last year... I thought LSU was at the at least the last, I'll say the last ten years. I think LSU was the best college football team I had seen in the last ten years. Mm. If I had I to pick a, a college football team of the decade in hindsight, from twenty ten to twenty twenty, I would I would have to pick the 2019, 2020 LSU type just because like they just. Even the games where they had to persevere and fight through, you never, or at least me watching, I never thought they was going to lose. Like, I just always figured that they were going to. Joe Burrow had that, he had that charisma, that confidence that you expect out of a quarterback in a position like he was in and the weapons they had around him. It was literally like, you know, you roll the ball out there, you execute the plays, you're going to get it done. And to see what, you know, now the 2020-2021 Alabama Crimson Tide was able to do, like, same thing, except I feel like on steroids. Because, it, one, it's Alabama. And, mm-hmm. two, Alabama shifted the way that they even played offense Exactly. To accommodate all of these different weapons, they ended up losing what they thought was one of their primary weapons, and then emerges another one, and he wins the fucking Heisman. Mm. <laughs> like, Mind you, Devontae Smith is the best wide receiver out of Alabama as far as his accolades. And Julio Jones went there. Like, that's saying a lot. Like. But- mm-hmm. Football's changed since Julio Jones was there, but the reason why Alabama is wide receiver U is because it started with Julio Jones, mm-hmm. the DJ Halls, things like that. And then you got Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. Uh, Think about these names, dog. <laughs> like these yeah, fucking names. I, it's like, like I all tweeted this, it. Just next man up. Next man every single time. Like I tweeted it during the national uh, championship game is like Alabama is QBU college QBU cuz you know people For forget the these programs translate yeah like the thing about their QBU RBU wide receiver U DBU linebacker U <laughs> And you can make an argument that they safety you too. Like when you look at how the game translate, even when Alabama has a young secondary, Alabama secondary always builds up confidence. And by the end of the year, you trust them. Mm-hmm. You Even those teams 
where I mean, think about defensive line. You do y'all remember Mount Cody? Jerry Judy. That's all I was talking about. Yeah, I remember Mount Cody. Like think of like every position. O line. They had, are uh, Andre Smith. He was huge for them. Uh, next man up. Saban. Saban was in. I mean, so, look at the Devontae Smith breakout year. Devontae Smith breakout year. What happens? Waddle gets hurt. And his and his like a and his role recruit too. Yeah. Right. His role Waffle. now expands. This is crazy. But the thing that I mean, not to just get onto Alabama too much, but the thing that I appreciate about this the twenty uh this team this year is the level of humility the team has. Like you can tell they like genuinely fuck with each other. Mm-hmm. They gently want to like it's not about the accolades. It's not about who's going, where we're going to be drafted. It's just like yo, we came back on a mission, and that's what we did. And if you ever check out, check out their interviews, they're always like, it's always deflecting to the team. It's never about me. Mm-hmm. It's always about this is our goal. I got the right people around us. This, that, and the other, and you don't see that all the time, especially now in the social media era. Where everyone's got a brand to uh, maintain. Yep, yep, and and you know, falling right in line with that. You know, the next major thing that happened uh, was LeBron James. LeBron James passed Kobe Bryant on all-time scoring list, and I remember the level of humility that he had in that moment when they was asking him, like, yo, what does it mean for you to pass Kobe? And you had somebody like LeBron who has been, you know, the Kobe to an entire generation to talk about what Kobe meant to him. It's like, okay, Jordan is going to always be Jordan. The myth of le- the myth and legend of Jordan is going to be told, period, regardless, to the point that where, you know, our grandkids may fucking think that Michael Jordan invented basketball. <laughs> but... When it comes to the people that came after, like Kobe, it felt so good in hindsight to have Kobe be recognized, respected, and revered. That night is like LeBron made it a point to say, okay, yes, I did this, and this means a lot to me. But this is why this means a lot to me, because this nigga who I just passed, and then he just started talking about the ways in which Kobe poured into him and made him into who, you know, he became. And then less than 24 hours later, Kobe's gone. And I think when we talk sports, when you talk 2020, just period, the death of Kobe Bryant is, the I know it's the first thing that came to my mind. When I was like, damn, we got to talk about sports and we got to talk about 2020. Fuck, we got to talk about Kobe again. And like, you can't, you can't not talk about it. Yeah, I agree. Do y'all remember where y'all were when uh, Kobe died? Like where y'all, when y'all first received the news? No, I think I was at home, but I can't really recall that exact moment. I just know it was unbelievable. I, I was at home. Um, we had just gotten Z up. She had just uh, woke up from a nap, and we were getting ready to feed her. And 
Wayne had showed me, she was like, they saying that Kobe died. I'm like, nah, that gotta be some type of something. And then it came out that the, you know, helicopter had crashed. And all that that seemed like bullshit too. Like all of it, it was just like I'm like, you know, maybe somebody is playing some horrific joke. And then it was like as more and more information kept coming out. And we realized that, you know, not only did not only was Kobe in there, his daughter Gianna was in there, her teammates, the families of her teammates. And it's like, so now you really like, damn, I really hope that this shit is just some Internet shit. Because, and it's crazy that we at the point in society to where when things like this happen, our knee jerk reaction is this is probably some Internet shit. So let me not, because it's happened so many times. Like, somebody, you just hop on Twitter and it'll be rest in peace, somebody. And it's because they done been canceled. They Somebody resurrected one of their old tweets and now they canceled. So it's like right. rest in peace to X, Y, and Z. But, and you like, nigga, this is some internet shit. But when that Kobe shit happened, it was like, it was a part of me that as soon as she said it, I was like, Fuck. Just cause, yeah. but it's like you're not people not gonna play with Kobe like that. I just, I just feel like you know, there are certain people and figures in just society, culture, American culture that you just, if some serious happening to them, you're not gonna play about no shit like that. So a part of me was like, damn. But like I said, you know, that other part was like hoping this was, you know. Some Daniel Caesar shit. No, for real. I mean, for me, I was on the way to the High Museum to see a Virgil's exhibit, and I get a text from my sister. It's like Kobe's dead. I'm like, and then she calls me. I'm just like, what? Like some bullshit. And then I check Twitter, and it's, and it's still no sources. I'm just like, oh, whatever, cool. I hang up the. I was like, I'll talk to you later. Like, hang up the phone because like, I'm just in disbelief, shocked because I was a huge fan of Kobe, and honestly, I didn't realize how much he meant to me until that day. Mm-hmm. But, and it's just crazy how much a person who doesn't even know you exist. Because I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not typically a person who like idolizes people. I'm not huge on the celebrity stand culture. This that, and the other. But Kobe is definitely someone who I did look up to. And for him to have that such an impact on me to where I felt like I knew him personally was definitely a level of emotion that I didn't realize I was capable of feeling. So it was just crazy for me. And it's just sad because you could see like Kobe for so long in his career, you kind of you knew about Mamba mentality, you knew who he was, but there wasn't a lot about Kobe we really knew. We knew what we wanted. He wanted us to know, but he was getting more vocal with his. He was doing different podcasts. He had did the All the Smoke podcast. He was uh, just being more visible and showing more of his personality. So you're just like, yo, this dude's he and Shaq did the reunion. 
Yeah, that too. Like it's like yo, this dude's like he literally like within the last the six months leading up to like he had became super visible. And you're just like yo, like I can't wait. Had the Mama Sports Academy. He's just like yo, like I can't wait to see what else he's got going. And then his daughter became a prospect to where like she's not like oh that's the little sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade, but it's like, okay, like, she's got game for real, then she's transitioned, getting ready to be in high school, so you're like, shit, like, we're about to see this, similar, like, how we saw LaMelo Ball grow, but, like, we're about to see where his daughter goes, and it's just like, this shit's about to be fun, and, like, because, you know, we saw the, we saw the score, where it's like, they beat some, some crazy, it's like, 100-something, like, 30-something, and then, mm-hmm. like, it was a running joke about, like, the Mamba mentality. Like, that's some Kobe shit. But it's just like, man, it just really messed with me that a person, he was more influential in my life than I had given credit to at that time. Mm. Yeah, I think that's deep, bro. And and I'm I'm right there with you, Jeff. It's like, there's there's not much in terms of idolation of celebrities and stuff like that that's you know that's not something that you know majority of people are not into but it's just like with when it comes to Kobe Bryant and you know kind of what he represented um in terms of just like never giving up working like work harder than anybody else you know like you said mama mentality uh you know everything that led up to his exit in the NBA including the legendary final game um, where he dropped 60. Um, And then, you know, everything in terms of the years following of, you know, him constantly speaking about, well, you know, I've I've spent so much time playing basketball and now I'm trying to be with my family. You know, I'm trying to spend as much time with my family as possible, with my daughters. And uh, it was visible. Like, you, I mean, you laid it out. It was visible. We could see that. And – you know, thinking about everything that was cut short, you know, what really hurt me is, you know, when the last dance was going on and we're watching, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, break down his career and like everything that happened. And, you know, and for us to have a realization that, you know, for Kobe, which for a lot of people, this is our Jordan, like this, our Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he he won't have that opportunity, you know. If they do something like that, it's just gonna have to be everybody else. But you won't be able to get that, you know, that firsthand, um, you know, account from him. You know, I was actually just watching uh, a portion of Tony Parker. He got a documentary. I can't remember what it's on Netflix or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. Um, yeah, but you know, it's a it's a clip where you know where Kobe's speaking, and it's like I, it's like you it ain't like Kobe on my mind every day. And, and, and it's like, you watching that. And then it's like, damn, here's Kobe, like in the flesh speaking. And, you know, we almost 10, 11 months following his death. And, you know, it just, it kind of bring back the emotion. Like, damn, this dude is gone. Like mm-hmm. this dude yeah. is in his early forties, you know, and the only MVP he's gone. To die. We get MVP you to know? Die. So when I think about that and, you know, his death, his death definitely impacted me more than any celebrity death has ever impacted me. I mean, I don't feel like a celebrity death has impacted me, you know, and until Kobe, like until Kobe, it's like before it's like, you know, people, people pass and, you know, but when somebody die young, especially horrifically, 
not like, you know, he was sick or something. I mean, like horrifically, suddenly. And not only him, but his daughter. You know, it's just. it's You saw them at the game? I mean, it was just at the game. It was just at the game. And it's really, you know, weeks ago, y'all, I was actually just thinking about, you know, probably that morning when. Uh, you know, because they was getting on a helicopter where they was going to a game or practice or something. And, you know, Kobe just telling the other daughter and her family, like, yeah, y'all can ride in a helicopter with us, you know, like. And they was probably all excited, you know what I'm saying, to to do this. And then for it to just end like it did, you know, I just I think about being a child and also just being a parent, you know, being on like a helicopter like that. And, you know, things start going wrong and you just with your child and it's just like this the end. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's the end. I mean, that's just. You know, and I'm sorry to paint that sad scene, but that was on my brain. Like, that was really on my mind a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, damn, like, that's sad. That's sad. It's tough, man. It's it's really tough. And I, I definitely want to, you know, make sure that we acknowledge just the sadness that the loss of Kobe was. Because I, I feel like, the loss of Kobe set up, well, I know from a sports fan's perspective, right? We started the year off losing people. January 1st, we lost uh, David Stern. Yeah. And, you know, people can say what they want to about David Stern, the former uh, NBA commissioner. But, you know, basketball is we know it and love it. You know, I know the three of us. Like, no David Stern and the decisions that he made, the chances that he took, some of the stances that he made, you know, shit, the NBA definitely like respect MLS. Yes, like the we could very well be looking at the NBA a completely different way. Um, and he was, you know, people will say what they want to about his apprehension for, you know, players to take their own futures or you know, their own livelihoods into their own hands. But David Stern did that. And he had to. He didn't do it the same way that, you know, Adam Silver is currently doing it. But he had to. Think about this. He grew from two-day tape-delayed NBA games to primetime television. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Playoffs dominating primetime channels i'm like you know what he did with magic and bird what he did with michael jordan specifically in the growth of the nba dirk Nowinski, make an nba global like the dream team like all of these things it's like we we lost him then we lost kobe who was essentially the maturation of that David Stern dream. Like Kobe was that representative of I'm bridging the gap between what we, what people love to say is the golden era of basketball in the nineties. And when the chosen one came Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what Kobe held down those 10 years in between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And it was Kobe. He had to deal with Shaq. He had to share the spotlight with Shaq. But like you said, Alex, it was Kobe. And Kobe made us think about things in a way in which I don't think we, like growing up, you know, being cocky or, you know, 
I don't want to say being selfish, but always wanting to win was not something that was really necessarily pushed. It was, you know, we we were the generation of we want you to win, learn teamwork, but you got to have that, you know, uh, uh, sportsmanship. And most of the time, the ways in which we were taught sportsmanship wasn't really sportsmanship. They was just grooming motherfuckers to be soft. And the people who came after us, you know, were the participation trophy children. And so when Kobe is like Mamba mentality and he's doing these commercials, it was the first time that some of us as little black boys felt encouraged to be like, yeah, nigga. I'm going to win by whatever means possible. I'm going to do this by whatever means possible. Like, you can't shoot a, you can't crumble up paper and not think of Kobe. And I, I, I guess for me, similar to you, Jeff, I didn't think about the impact that Kobe had on my life, both, you know, in theory and in actuality until he was gone. And I had to, you know, come to terms with the fact that, like, damn, when we have these people, we want to possess them, right? Like, if you you were a Kobe fan or you really didn't fuck with Kobe, you really wasn't no in-between. Like, we wanted to possess these people and these things instead of appreciating what was. And I think that's why, since Kobe has died, you've seen a bit of a shift in how people approach this LeBron James conversation because I think people are realizing that when LeBron James hangs it up, all we gonna have is these memories, and right. we have an expectation that everybody's gonna become, you know, they gonna get the Michael Jordan treatment. You know, like we have this expectation, but to the point you made, Alex, and I never even thought about it. Like, we got Kobe doing work, we got Muse, but we not gonna get that complete, definitive Kobe's own point of view from start to finish, like we did with the Last Dance, and I just. The fan in me is sad about that. No, 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 for sure. Because, like, in the Tony Parker doc, you hear Kobe just talking about, like, how much he hated Tony Parker as far as, like, a competitor, but his level of respect for the competitor. And that's a part of the, we're never going to hear about those stories. Like, we hear about Rajah Bell, whatever, but we're not going to hear about, like, who Kobe secretly hated or who Kobe really respected on the floor. You're not going to hear about different stories, workout stories, or just anything that really tells us about his personality much. Because for so long, it was just kind of like, don't fuck with Kobe. He showed, you know what I'm saying? Like he's out here doing, he's like, he was just kind of like more so a figure instead of a person. And what was sad is, it took him passing for a whole bunch of people to really acknowledge him, like to really acknowledge his greatness. And I mean, you see him around the court, uh, around the world, he's getting courts painted, different things like that. Cities put in purple and gold. And it's just like, wow, like this dude was, I believe, 41 years old and he impacted all of these people on, on this world. And it's just like, it's crazy what he would have did with another 40 years. Because it's like, it never crossed my mind that like Kobe wasn't going to be like Bill Russell at the, you know what I'm saying? Bill Russell at the games, me watching kid uh, games with my kids or my grandkids and be like, oh, yeah, like, 
don't get it fucked up. Kobe was a bad motherfucker. Like, don't think, don't think this is for play type stuff. So like, he was the blueprint. Was... Yeah. Like Kobe, Kobe was the the current NBA players four four four. Kobe showed NBA players how you mature as a star in basketball. Walk away from the game, and you can respect for what it what it was for you. Respect what it is now, and go on to do different things. I mean, think of, look at the awards that Kobe won after he retired, and the fact that he has a children's book line that is teaching children all of the things that he feels like children should know when it comes to discipline and learning and exploring that creativity it was like he became i think i've i've told this um before when we were talking about kobe but like i really didn't watch the wnba <laughs> i used to make jokes about the wnba but when somebody like kobe started talking about oh i watched the wnba because boom 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 if i'm i'm always if the wnba game is on i'm watching it like him talking about how much of a fan he was of the wnba game more so than the nba sometimes and then his daughter and her falling in love with basketball and that is like you know to see the wnba go to where it was when i wasn't paying attention to it to where it is now where you know i'm checking for the wnba i'm looking at these players i'm i'm watching these games with you know at times some of the same level of excitement as i am with nba games because of all the things that kobe pointed out to me that you know whether it be my unconscious bias or shit just me thinking i ain't gonna see no dunking so like it, it made me change my thought process and to see, you know, the WNBA cry for help and support and just to notice us as a league of women who are doing our damn thing in many ways, covering these basics better than the men and won't nobody give us nothing. We, we got to go overseas to play. They don't want to halfway uh, televise our games to the point where you know the the WNBA has increased to I think is a minimum $215,000 per player um they're getting maternity leave which I mean I just would have thought that if you have a majority you know female women's league, league right women's you, man, women women come on women. man be better women's league you know, I'm not even going to go into that, <laughs> but hey, women's I'm league, that better, something like something like maternity leave would be, you know, standard. You get what I'm saying? But I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't. So I think he's a large part of the special attention and plans for enhancement that the NBA and the WNBA NBA have come together and created to move forward. And I think of the impact that the WNBA was able to have, you know, we got we had the bubble in the wobble right when the nba suspended in 2020 uh march 11 2020 they call it the day that the sports world stood still um man, rudy gobert <laughs> bro they killed rudy man they killed rudy but <laughs> now like looking back rudy deserved to be killed but goddamn did they kill that man he Duh. ain't know though we don't even know if rudy was the first nba player 
to have it. He was no. just the first person <laughs> that was known. But he was the first positive. one openly bullshitting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he was <laughs> doing it. He was the with first the mics. Op- openly bullshitting, rubbing his hands on mics, coughing and shit, playing around like that. Nah, y'all, we going to be all right. Three days later, we don't know what's <laughs> yeah. actually going to happen. Uh, we're here at, We're here at tip off. Uh, the teams have not come out yet, but we're, we're awaiting word from the league office. This nigga Rudy Gobert then tested positive for COVID-19. And at that point, March 11, 2020. So at this point, the Chiefs have already won the Super Bowl. I, I figured y'all don't really have no thoughts because, I mean, at, at this point, we know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Hey, the truth. So, He's the future of the NFL. Footnote, I mean. footnote in history, the 2020 Super Bowl champions were the Chiefs. But you fast forward March 11, 2020, right right when – correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. Were, were we not already in conference tournaments for uh, NCAA? Yeah, some teams were having their conference tournaments. Uh, Had to be. And – they were getting shut down. But, like, mm-hmm. I believe it was the second week of conference tournament. I think it was, like, the Power Five conference tournaments were going on. But, like, the mid so ones were the weekend before. Yeah, so you had, you know, major Power Five conference. They didn't know what was going on. I mean, some of them were still playing. I remember, um, who is it? The, is it the ACC? I think the ACC was still playing. I know the Big Ten. The was. AC, yeah, the ACC and I believe the Big Ten were. I think when the announcement came out that they were canceling everything, I think there were people on the floor in uh, Madison Square Garden. There were teams on the floor, and at halftime, they found out that this is going to be the last game of the college season. And, you know, college basketball shuts down. But it all started with the NBA Rudy Gobert is found, you know, to be positive for COVID-19. Um, and he's the first athlete, you know, in an active sport that we saw this happen to. And it was just almost like wildfire. Once the NBA made a decision that it was going to suspend the season, you had suspensions of, you know, NCAA tournament, the tournament itself, Um both men's and women's, you had, you know, baseball. They were getting ready to go into spring practice. You had them, you know, suspend spring practice. You had spring practice suspended for fall sports. Fall sports at one point were completely canceled for Division One and Two NCAA. Um, and basically every major sport at that point had suspended or canceled their season. The, N- the NHL just canceled. Uh, canceled their season completely. And so we were at a point where we were like, shit, like you started off the, the episode, Alice, we didn't know who's going to have sports at all. No. Like, at all. I mean, but here, but the thing is, you know, when everything first popped off, I mean, I think everybody's attitude was, you know, temporary. Like temporary, you know, we just got to shut down for a couple weeks. And, you know, we just thinking about, okay, when the season going to start again. Uh, we were surprised at the cancellations, right, because – decisions were being made quickly you know it's like okay we actually are going to play with no fans okay actually we're just not going to play at all and we're just going to wait and see and things like that 
Uh, and as the weeks went on, and as these reports came out, you know, from Dr. Fauci, Fauci, you know what I mean? And pretty much letting America know that, hey, this actually isn't getting better. I mean, it really put, you know, I mean, a lot of people was literally begging for sports to come back. You know, niggas watching reruns and all type of shit. Um, what but, did it feel like to you? Like, real quick, did it remind you of anything or was it completely foreign to you? Let, let's start with you, Jeff, and then we'll go to AC. Repeat that question. Like, when, when sports were suspended and, like Alex was saying, you were trying to figure out ways to kind of quench that thirst you have for sports or whatever the case may be like had you ever felt that before if so when and then if not like how did you kind of hold yourself over until you know we got more word uh for me initially it was it was fine because you know there's plenty of shit to binge but say a week or two goes by and you like your content for me because i listen to different nba podcasts and they're like, yo, we don't have, like, we don't know what's going on. And it's just kind of like, damn, like, I had to get dark, but like, is this the end of the world? Because like, everyone's, everyone's questioning, like, this is, everything's unprecedented. And initially, like you said, it was just like, okay, it's going to be temporary. This is temporary. And then it's like two weeks, a month. And then some people are saying, okay, if everyone stays in August, September, whatever the case may be. So it's just like, there's no sports and we can't go outside. And it was just kind of like, damn, like I'm sitting in the house and I'm faced with having to talk to the person next to me. And we're talking about life. <laughs> More so, we're not talking about current events. Because anybody can talk about current events, but it's like, damn, like, we don't know what COVID is. And it's just kind of like, how bad can this, can like, can this virus continue to mutate? And how bad can this really get? Like, are people just going to be walking around dropping like flies? Things of that nature. And so, when the bubble came back, it did feel like there was a sense of normalcy, too like what was once lost because when there was no sports no you can't go to a movie theater just any other and it's like you can't go out and drink and you got to think like sports gambling is huge so mm -hmm. that that just goes to tell you how many people are tuned into sports so it's like just the sense of normalcy is gone in people's lives and it's just like it's just kind of like the world is turning into a ghost town so I think the NBA did a great job by coming back, NBA as well as baseball. Mm. Yeah, I, hope I, mean, I hope that answers your question. I hope that Definitely a dark time. I mean, um, I know for me personally, uh, you know, the level of, I guess, uncertainty that Jeff advised, I mean, I had the same. You know, you just don't know um, – when sports is coming back, you don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I was more so concerned about the bigger picture, not necessarily when sports is going to come. I mean, obviously that was a big deal, but it's just like, you know, we got sent home from work, you know. It's like when are we going to be able to go back to work or, you know, all these people who work in jobs that require people to be there, like what are they going to do? 
you know. Mm-hmm. And stimulus was nice. And, you know, you kind of had that anticipation that it wasn't going to be a one-time thing, you know, that we was going to get more. And obviously we yeah. saw how that turned out. Stimmy um, nine on one. <laughs> you know, but ESPN was was looking bare, man. It was looking bare. It was just nothing but talk about. First of all, like when, like what, like what leagues are deciding, like that's literally all the conversation or it just was about, you know, free agency or something like that. Or um, niggas luckily, playing video a, games. Right. Yeah. Or they, or they on ESPN on the, on not ESPN 2, not ESPN <laughs> classic on ESPN niggas is playing 2K on like the 2K. middle of the day. <laughs> like I have been know. telling folks the last two years to invest in esports. And if you don't invest in that shit after the pandemic, I don't know what you're going to, like, you just don't get it. We're going to have to talk to you off, off, off camera about that. Yeah, man, um, come on. Man. You got to give, you got to give us those jewels. You can't give them. Yeah, the you got to get, you got to drop those jewels. We got to be us. early for, for me, for me, it kind of felt like, uh, you remember when the NBA lockout happened? I think that was what, 2011? Yes. Yeah. It didn't feel like that for me because yeah. like. You were seeing on Ballers Life, you like, shit, you seeing Katie and LeBron all on the same team. You seeing John Wall get at it. Like, you're seeing these But, folks. I mean, that that's what I mean. Like, do you remember when – so, when they suspended the NBA and people were quarantined, like, they was quarantined, quarantined. But as things began to ease up and we started hearing rumors about a potential bubble, we started seeing niggas pull up. And be back hooping with one another. And for me, it was like, okay, we don't have any sports. This is a time for me to let me go back and revisit some shit. Like they was running old sports on I mean old games on NBA TV. And it's like I think we in that weird space age-wise where there are things that are still very familiar to us, but they like 20 years old. But we remember them because I mean shit. It went that long ago to us, or it could have been something memorable. Like, think about the first time you saw Kobe win the NBA championship. Like, that's probably a memory that you can very vividly recall. But it was, what, 21 years ago at this point? Like, so it's like bringing myself to a point where I'm, like, comfortable with reliving some of this recent history that we've been able to see so that I can appreciate it and rewatching the uh 2016 finals mm-hmm. rewatching the 2017 finals like going back and the the uh year that OKC went to the finals with everybody and just looking at how young and being able to now in hindsight see the, see the gaps, of those guys this like seeing the gaps and seeing like, okay, this is exactly why this, this, and this happened. It's like, you know, it was a time like that for me, but like y'all like, bro, when they sent us home from work and I was like, I don't know how yeah, any of this shit real. is going to play itself out. And so when I heard about the bubble and the wobble, um, it was cool because I was like, one, we working from home. So nigga, I'm going to get to watch every single one of these games. It's going to be like March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> but then too, it was like, it was going to bring back a sense of normalcy because I think for people who listen to or watch sports in America, it is literally the heartbeat of our lives. It's like, you know, you know, there's football season, basketball season, college football, college basketball, 
And then the off season for all of these aren't really off seasons because we constantly know what's going on. And then if you are NHL fan or MLB fan, you throw those in there. Now you tracking your year by what it what sports it is that you watching, who you rooting Sad. for, all of these things. So it's like uh, it was kind of weird to be in that point. I I think before sports, I really stopped knowing what day was what. Like no, that's before, a fact. I will I will say I the it. last dance did help. When the last and that's dance what I was. There, yeah, yeah. That shit. It was two Do hours. Do you at think a time it slaps? Too? Do you think it slaps the way that it did if it were not during? This time where we were all at home, all watching it at the same time. I know, I know it's gonna slap for me, regardless, because that's the goat. But for the casual viewer and folks like really understanding, like, and what I liked was like the young folks just like seeing like, nah, like MJ the blueprint. The reason like everyone can say this stuff about LeBron, this, that, and the other, that's fine. But he had M- MJ. I mean, LeBron is literally the evolution of MJ as far as everything off the floor and things like that. And it's just like, man, we really saw we got a peek behind the curtains to see like this dude was larger than life without social media. Right. <laughs> so it's literally, like, literally just being a being a straight hooper, you know what I mean? Like hey. had him recognized around the world. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think it would have hit. I don't think it would have hit much different, Nate. I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's universal respect for Jordan, and even when they first like announced the Last Dance or that there was going to be a mini series around Jordan, the anticipation was at an all time high, uh, and they said yeah. it was going to come out. I think it got delayed, didn't it? Like, didn't it get delayed? Uh, yeah, yeah, it got delayed. And, then LeBron, right, being LeBron, tweeted out like, "Yo, ESPN." Release that. Next thing you know, <laughs> and then they released it. Two weeks later, they said, "I." Right, two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out, Braun. You feel me? But I, I, I definitely agree with that, Jeff. And that's what put me into that thought process, right? Like watching, being able to watch something that I was so passionate about. Just period. And seeing the rest of the world be forced to be passionate about it, too, because nothing else was going on. Like, to remind everybody, 2020 was such that when she got shut down, she got shut down. So we weren't getting new shows, new seasons of things were done. The news was constant updates on COVID, people's dying, death rates. How many people can we afford to have that? Like, all of these things we're constantly consuming that without Netflix, without Hulu, without these streaming platforms and the last dance, I don't know how American society would have survived in this modern era just because people get so much of their information constantly from social media that we use TV and things to kind of take our minds off of shit. And we didn't have nothing new. And we went from constantly getting new things and constantly having another season to binge and all of this shit to, nigga, you got what you got. Figure it out. Well, I think, I mean, kind of speaking to what you spoke on earlier, Nate, you know, the fact that there wasn't anything new, I mean, obviously gave us the opportunity to go back, right, and 
uh, whether it been, you know, a lot of people catching up on shows, but even from a sports perspective, I mean, even outside of like the old basketball, I mean, it was old, all sports on TV, you know, and, you know, it, it really gave a good opportunity for, you know, people who are unaware of or just getting into sports or whatever sport that you went to, being able to see that history. And honestly, it put me more in tune with like, even as we've returned to sports, it still make me want to know more about like what went on in the past because I saw so much great content, you know, starting with the last dance, obviously, but just so much great content around how things used to be or, you know, how sports figures were in their prime, you know, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. So, you know. and he gave us now, insight er- into er- Michael everybody, Yeah. I was going to say everybody now talking about like a, like a documentary similar to the last dance for, like different athletes you know it's like everybody wants that yeah but i think the only person who, who will ever truly and i know we'll, we'll we'll move on after this but the only person who i think can truly give us that is lebron because of so many cameras have always followed him and because you have somebody like a brian windhorse who can Orotate the inception of the, the chosen history one. Of LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know. The thing about LeBron is, and I mean, he's had all these cameras, but it's like we've seen everything. Like we've. I don't think it, so. Yeah, I don't. You know yeah, I, I feel like we think we have, but because I feel know, like it's, we, it's I feel like we're going to get, we're gonna get his personality. Wade. I mean, think about D Wade. I thought we felt there with D Wade, but when I watched his, um, his doc was cool. Like it was cool. his doc. I mean, but you saw shit that you never thought that you would be able to see. Like we don't imagine us being able to really see footage and have LeBron break down. How, because we all know how the decision that production even came to be at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine him breaking down how he felt, them playing clips of how people responded and having him respond in that moment. Because see, the difference between like a last dance and what LeBron would give us is it's so much outside shit that now we can take ourselves into the mind of, okay. When LeBron was down 3-1 in the finals, that nigga showed up like, we going to get this shit done. Imagine us being able to hear the breakdown game by game by game until he wins that championship of what was going through his mind, what they did, how they was able to overcome. Like, that's going to be a different experience. I mean, the, the allure of Jordan was we only knew one side of Jordan and then we knew what people had said and Jordan did a great job of being very vague and very specific of when he chooses to talk so for him to give all access and to really be raw in these moments it was like okay and I think LeBron getting comfortable media wise now by the time we get that LeBron a king's life shit we gonna get Raw ass LeBron. We gonna get LeBron, I mean, who felt like when he won that title in Cleveland, he was the goat already. We gonna get that LeBron. We not gonna get uh, politically correct on road trip and talking about how he felt when Kyrie said what he said. No, nigga, you felt like this nigga got me fucked up. 
I don't. Did y'all see the video? The uh, video that he tweeted today? Nah. I mean, or was it yesterday? I feel like LeBron be that, loose right now. I feel like LeBron be loose right now, low key. Hell nah. If he was loose right loose? now, we would have got a real speech after he won this ring. Which I mean, we get into. I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you don't remember and if you was under a rock or if you, you listening to this 10 years from now, 2020, the bubble, NBA bubble, great experience, the Lakers win. <laughs> but you feel me, Jeff? Like, I, I see you, you remember I see what he said after they won? He said he won his damn respect. If he was getting off, he would have got up there and said, bitch, I'm the king. Ain't nobody, no motherfucking king out here except me. I'm still the greatest gear whatever that. the fuck and here that. it is i feel that i can see it but i guess that's kind of just how i mean i kind of feel the way about like the warriors dynasty like when are we when we get a doc about them like are we really gonna get some shit or was all if draymond is involved we getting a real deal so because so, it ain't no nigga like Draymond. it ain't a nigga named draymond from saginaw <laughs> michigan who's gonna get in front of a camera and lie. and lie about what's going on. He's not going to pussyfoot. He's going to tell us straight up. I called him a bitch in practice. I told him that we didn't need his funk ass. And guess what? We didn't. <laughs> so, so quick question. What did y'all think when the bubble came back? Like, what were y'all initial thoughts? I it's said fucking these niggas lit. foolish. I said these niggas <laughs> foolish. I said they putting folks in danger. They ain't gonna, you know, they ain't gonna be satisfied until somebody get COVID and die. And I was killing it. I was killing it. I thought, I thought it was so was... Uh, greedy. I just thought it was greedy as hell. Like the greed is just at an all time high that these niggas really trying to steal hoop and finish the season. Bro, I thought that shit. Was I mean, lit like AU Nationals in this thing. It was. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, do you not feel like it? That's what it was. Like, I feel like we got to see what we always wanted to see, where niggas is not playing for crowd reactions. Niggas is not playing. It's like I was saying when when the lockout happened in 2011, and these niggas was hooping. We got to see some shit. Like you see, you we got to see, see Kobe now. put up 50. KD put up, what, 60 at the Rucker. We got to see, you know, John Wall and Russell Westbrook on the same team going against James Harden and Chris Paul. Like, we saw these things, and then to put it in a bubble where these niggas are stuck here, all they got to do is hoop. Everything else, they can try to block out, but all they got to do is hoop. These niggas can walk to the gym. And walk back. I said we getting some great basketball. I said we gonna get some days where niggas is just not gonna fucking feel it because of all these back to back games. But when we get the good games, when niggas get their legs underneath them, classics. And you know what? Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, classics. We got some classics Classic. out of them. But and I mean Jason Tatum recently hit on it, but like we also. We saw some niggas who was acting a little different in the bubble who were, say, role players. But, you know what I'm saying? The bright lights are a little different when there's no crowd in there. To where it's like basically you running in an open gym. So I thought... Like we, who? TJ Warren. Who? And I, T, TJ Warren. TJ Warren TJ went on a crazy... TJ Warren went on a crazy run. Uh mm-hmm. Who's another player that kind of showed out? But TJ, we're not gonna sit up here and act like TJ Warren not raw. TJ Warren was look was looking like TJ Warren's the reason why Victor Oladipo's like <laughs> Victor Oladipo started getting unhappy in Indiana. 
He ain't gonna he ain't gonna admit that, but there's a reason why. Uh also a guy who stood out, Tyler Harrell went on his crazy run. It's just like, does he do that in the playoff in in when he's going to Milwaukee and everyone's saying F you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I Traitor, think he will now. But I'm saying like there's guys who are battle tested, but there's guys who like you've seen people shake up in pressure moments when there's I mean, a crowd. Yeah. And there's no crowd yeah. in there. It was just a whole different that's why you saw who was it? Austin Rivers went for like 40, 40 something in the bubble. I mean, yeah. But this is what like, I folks, mean. Folks though, is going like, career high. Think about this. And like and, these niggas is hooping. They, no, they and they're hooping. focused. There's a level of focus because I don't. We're not traveling there, so you know what I'm saying. There's a level of uh, treatment that you don't have to do. Then it's no fatigue. Yeah. Then I'm not. You know what I'm saying. The extracurricular activities that they take part in, they're not doing those things either. And it's just like okay, you hoop, and then there's some people. Where like a PG, you get depressed because you away from your peoples. You know what I'm saying? Those people you need, you're in a circle. And it's just like, I think the bubble enhanced some people's packages, but also negatively impacted people's packages. Definitely. Definitely. I, from, a, from a fan's perspective, though, I knew the level of bad. The Dame Lillard, you feel me, that, that we saw Lillard. in the bubble? Little, huh? little, Lil Lurd, Lillard, Lillard. There is no shit. I after I the L. Lillard. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say Lillard. Shit, right? Lillard. Lillard. Damian Lillard. This nigga said Lillard. Cool. cool. <laughs> Dame. Dame. Gary Dollar. Trent Jr. <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. went off too. Like these niggas was. It's for me, Jeff. I get everything that you're saying, and I'm not gonna negate that. I just feel like. Ahead of the bubble, you had the vicious murder of George Floyd. So there were there were apprehensions from players. And, I mean, you did have some opt-outs, right? But there was apprehension from players, black players especially, like, should we even do this shit? And so for them to go into the bubble, do it, have to be away from their families. Like, the first team got to the bubble on July 7th. Right, and that sounds about right. It's like the games didn't start until the thirtieth, so hmm. that's already one month. You're not even playing. You're just trying to get back into game shape, re reunite with your teammates, and try to continue some type of normalcy for you to get you know to the end result. And then you pair that, like you said, Jeff, with not being around your family and being gone. And then you have this massive racial tension going on in the country outside of this bubble. And you are responsible to have a voice and an opinion and and be these things for your community. And I think it was a great opportunity that the NBA did like what we thought they was going to do, Alex, and they took great advantage of continuing to amplify black voices and you can't talk about the bubble or the wobble for that matter the the WNBA version of the bubble without talking about the the fight for racial justice and social justice period 
I mean, from what the WNBA, the Atlanta Dream was doing, you know, Kelly Leffler, their owner, Republican uh, senator, insider trading, <laughs> because they knew COVID was coming and they was trying to get more money, which they did, made more money mm. to the tune of increasing her net worth by like $50 million. Like, Think about this shit. These folks doing insider trading with information that they know for a fact is going to be detrimental to the United States economy. And instead of telling their constituents, they're doing insider trading. Then double down and she wants to say, nah, we not fucking with Black Lives Matter. Not the Atlanta dream. Now think about this, dog. Like, and maybe it's just me. So y'all correct me. But if I am the white owner of the Atlanta dream with a predominantly black roster in a predominantly black city that is named after a civil rights activist's most famous speech and you like you know what black lives matter we not fucking with that like because she backed by trump bro and when you know and when trump Yo, guy, I mean, you you feel a little you feel a little more confident in uh, maybe going against the grain. Dog. Like, I just I don't get it. And so essentially, you know, you had the Atlanta Dream and you had a lot of other teams in the WNBA band together and they put in real work setting up, you know, voter registration so that they could not only. Let her know, like, we not fucking with you as our owner and as a colleague of owners in the WNBA, but we going to make sure that you get voted out. And you know what they did? Made Got her ass happen. voted out. <laughs> Got her happen. ass the fuck out of there. They were wearing shirts. Like, Raphael Warnock became a trending topic in, in a, a national conversation after they wore his name instead of wearing their team shit. They wore they were short. They they wore straight black shirts with his name on. Now think about that. You running for an office and the people who you employ are wearing the person the who you are running against. You literally pay. <laughs> I, I hear on some disrespectful stuff. But you like still, on you some still gonna clear you. their checks too. You still gotta clear their checks. Yeah, you still gonna do it. But it's like the the think about the the fight that those women had to have, let alone the courage in this time, like to the point you make, Jeff, like I'm, I'm sure some, I mean, they already felt like they were being courage underpaid. So pan, the fact that they speaking, yeah, they end up speaking out against their owner during a pandemic when the owner and the team is footing the bill for all of this shit for y'all to come in there and play. Like that takes courage, real courage. And for them to have come out successful and still maintained all of the things that they needed to maintain within themselves. Like that's a, that's a big accomplishment. And it brought attention to the WNBA to the point we were making earlier, even more so. And so when it came to the NBA in the bubble with the jerseys and people being able to have things on their back instead of their names, it was like, it was an opportunity for us to continue the conversation. And I remember there were a lot of conversations about whether or not the fight for racial justice was going to stop once the bubble started. Right. And 
it was like, you know, once the bubble started off wham, you couldn't listen to a NBA game. You couldn't watch an NBA game without hearing Brianna's ta- Brianna Taylor's name once or reference to the case and how we need to make sure that these officers are charged in her murder. Same with yeah, George the play- Floyd. The players and the coaches went hard about that. You know, that's coming. Yeah, they did. And so it's like you go through this time. We knew what this was going in. We dealing with, you know, the tragic loss of George Floyd, the murder and tragic loss of Breonna Taylor. And then Jacob Blake gets shot. And the Bucks decide they going to boycott. They sick of the shit. And now the NBA finds themselves in a conundrum because you've, you've scrambled to try to get this shit together, try to get the bubble together, try to get this schedule that is condensed so that these players aren't away from their families. I mean, all of the staff in the NBA aren't away from their families for longer than they have to be. Something like this happens, and then one team decides, you know what, we're going to boycott. We're not going to play. What was y'all's thoughts when they decided to boycott? And what were your thoughts as more information was coming out about the conversations that they were having, whether or not the NBA was going to continue? And, you know, the infamous LeBron James meeting when he walks out. I know I was just thinking about, I mean, when you say that you're not going to play, but, you know, there's nothing that really came out in terms of their plan, right? Like how long they weren't going to play and things like that. And I think mm-hmm. everybody kind of had the feeling that like, ain't no way they going to forfeit the season. Like there's no way they're going to do that. They're going to eventually going to come back and play. So when you do come back, like how do you justify whatever you just did? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if, you, if you're not going to go hard about not playing because of this, like how could you just take a little break and be like, hey, you know, because of this, we just wanted to take a game or two off uh, and it'd be like worthwhile. Like people felt like it was worth it. So I thought they were putting it. They were putting themselves in a really tough spot and was just eager to see how they was going to get out of it, like where they was going to turn. Jeff, do you have any thoughts? No, I thought that was well said. I didn't know. I can hear what's up. Jeff like ditto, nigga. <laughs> ditto. So to wrap up the NBA and the bubble, give me y'all's give me y'all's favorite two moments of the bubble. And do you think outlook for this season? We've already had, I think, 16 games either canceled or postponed at this point. So top two moments for you personally from the bubble and do you think that we will find ourselves in another version of a modified bubble uh, in order to get through the 2020-2021 season? Um, so top two moments, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns going 8-0 and in the bubble and then Tyler Hero going on his run. And as far as are we going to end up in a modified bubble? I don't foresee that happening. I see the NBA just kind of rolling with the punches. Maybe a possible postponing, but I, I don't foresee us like doing 
uh, bubble. I think it's going to take too much time to construct that. And it'll be too much time off. I got you. AC? Yeah, my top two. Um, I'm going to just call, you know, what Jamal Murray did a moment. Um, that was honestly really my first time just watching that man play. And uh, for his performances throughout the bubble, to be as great as they were, I mean, you know, I feel like it was, you know, when you talk about like top tier entertainment, when you just see somebody who just seemed like they can't miss, you know, or they just making shots that are uh, incredible when you know their season on the line, um, you know, definitely a moment. And then second, just got to be Lakers winning the finals because, uh, I mean, I'm a known Laker fan, so. That was great to see the circumstances. I mean, like we've went in depth talking about are a little different, um, but it was still just great to see them close it out. Um, I was actually hoping it would be a better series with Miami, uh, but, you know, they folded and it is what it is. So, um, yeah. Oh, and what's what's the last question in terms of this season? Oh, in terms of us going to a bubble, I don't think uh, – I don't think, kind of like Jeff said, I don't think a, a regular season bubble is can reasonably be done in terms of this modified bubble. Um, I low-key anticipate the NBA potentially pausing the season at some point if we don't see a change in the trend. I mean, I think our trend currently is a lot of games are being postponed just due to people being exposed and contact tracing and things like that. Uh, and it just seems like that number keep going up. Like, we just keep – postponing more and more games. And if we don't see a change, like, in the immediate future, uh, there may be a pause. Bro, niggas got to stop having people at the game. Like, some arenas having people, some people, some arenas having people at the game, and some people not. They're saying that Houston had, like, 4,000 fans. Like, that shit's wild. Yeah, I think Memphis was allowing fans. That's for me. I think until you could have fans everywhere, you should have just not. I mean, I get why they're doing it. They definitely have fans. I don't know if they still have them, but they definitely have. I saw that on someone's story, but I didn't know she was on the uh, on the uh, what's my call it pack. The friends and family. I mean, I definitely, I definitely know the Grizzlies were selling tickets. I'll say that they were definitely selling tickets to the game. Alex was like, I, I don't, you know, I don't particularly, you know what, let me clean this up. Because <laughs> I, I mean, know this. This is what I know. This I know I they know, were though. selling tickets. I know they were selling tickets. You know how Memphis niggas do. It's not like I've seen do. fans. <laughs> you know how Memphis <laughs> niggas do it. They may be selling tickets, but it may not necessarily be for no game that's going on, right? And niggas be like, shit, man, I got you, fool. Just, you feel me? <laughs> All I'm saying is. Send me look, the little 200. I can get you in there. All I'm saying there. is, Shorty let us know that she, uh, she messing with a ball player was at the Grizzlies <laughs> game, bro. She made that shit clear. I was like, she made yo. I was like, yo. <laughs> she was in the friends and family section, but not with the friends and family. She was in the other friends and family section. Boy, or was she, she with the friends and family? She she was with the friends and family, and she was not. She did not pay for them tickets, bro. Oh, she getting claimed then. Okay. Okay. What, you know, hey, I but you know, IG, IG, IG tells stories, but we don't know. You, know. you never know the truth. You know what? Any, Either way, I wish that queen well. For sure. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, my top two moments from the bubble, I would have to say, similar to you, Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell. I think we won't be able to really appreciate what that battle and those battles were until like maybe two years from now when they running it like after the NBA season over with and they like man we got to take y'all back to this blast from the past during the bubble season and you like oh these niggas was getting off I mean hooping uh, hooping hooping and and that's really what I wanted to see like being able to see these NBA players in an environment where they hooping for their you know playoff livelihoods and them bonuses, because, I mean, like you to Joe's point, when you remove the fans, you remove everything else, you just rolling the ball out there. So it ain't about who up in the stands sharing your name or who calling you a bitch every time you touch the ball in the right corner. It, it's about can you put the ball in the hole? Can you stop the other man from putting the ball in the hole? And that's why my second highlight from the bubble is going to be Jimmy Butler. Because I think what Jimmy Butler did was Jimmy Butler – became hope for a lot of boys and girls at home who may not be the most athletic. They may not stand out the most as far as they shooting. They may not do all of the things that, you know, that, that five-star, that four-star recruit is doing, but they got heart and they got drive and they going to bust their ass. And that's what Jimmy Butler showed us. Jimmy Butler showed us that playing defense gets you wins and going hard and holding your teammates accountable, doing what you need to do to win, wins games. And in that environment, I think that was perfect for a team like the Miami Heat and a leader like Jimmy Butler because all he had to do was keep those guys locked in and galvanized. You, you as said long as he leader, could do that. Right? You said I feel like leader. it. No, 100%. But it was crazy is the narrative was – not even 24 months ago, Jimmy Butler was the bad teammate. He's a cancer. And now, cancer in the locker room. Now he's a feel-good story. It's so crazy how, how it's It's like you, you just got to have – people have to be in the right situations, and they got to be surrounded with the right people and with an organization that is going to do the things necessary to see what we got to stop lying to each other about in the NBA is every organization does not set off the season with the intent to be the best possible team they can be and to win a championship. And the moment that niggas stop lying about this shit, we'll be better off. The Sacramento Kings did not start this season off with an expectation that they were going to win a championship. They just didn't. There's no possible way. And so from an organizational standpoint, you got to know that. So with Jimmy Butler, I think what happened was he had his coach and his coach knew how he was. And then when the shit went sour because the coach and the organization, the organization was like, nigga, you got to coach this way. When they told Tibbs he had to coach a specific way and show precedence to these other players, Jimmy was like, nah, because these niggas is soft. (laughs) And then he went to Philly and he could see, you know, he was, what, a triple bounce away from mm-hmm. potentially going to the – because I think if they would have if they would have beat them, they would have went to the – They would have won the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they would have went to the finals. So it's like he has that, but I think he got a taste of that, and he realized longevity-wise it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. But when he went down to Miami after having a conversation with – 
who else, his mentor, D-Wade, is like, okay, I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. I'm going to be supported because the coach there wants every bit out of you. People can say what they want to about Spo. Spo going to get every bit out of you. And I think that's what happens when you have a star, a person like Jimmy. No, that's Spo, but that's also just the Miami Heat culture with Pat Riley, that there's no one person that's above anything. Whether that be Jack, whether that be D-Way, whether that be Jimmy Butler, Udonis Haslam. Like, there's a reason why it's called, like, uh, the Miami, um, damn, I can't think of it right now. But basically, like, you have to be, have a certain level of body fat. And mm-hmm. you got to be a level of condition to play for Miami. It's like everybody ain't built for that. So when they nope. talk about uh, James Harden, folks are like, James Harden? They're like, nigga, James Harden is not a Miami guy. But they're like, Giannis, that's a Miami guy. Like, my, Giannis is going to fall into that. So, and I think Giannis made you, the biggest mistake. Oh, yeah, he's pissed about that. He's pissed about that shit. He's like, I signed. I should have waited till the summer. But uh, another thing we as just, I, th- I wish the casual fan would pick up on. This narrative about Jimmy Butler was made through the media, but not one of his teammates or anyone who's played with Jimmy Butler came out and was like, yo, this dude's a messed up person. He's not a, you know what I'm saying? Every, if you saw how like he was embracing Tyler Hero and Tyler, Tyler Hero's constantly embracing him, you never hear that he's a bad teammate, but the media wants to run with this narrative. And like, I don't fuck with that shit because you know what I'm saying? You mess with people's money potentially. But that's what they do. That's why you got to have certain relationships. Like what I learned from that All the Smoke episode with Stephen A is that the smart stars and big names in these sports build relationships and they leverage those relationships when bullshit is coming out. The issue becomes usually when they don't when they don't hold up their end of the bargain. It's like Stephen A and Kevin Durant shit. Kevin Durant admitted on his podcast with Stephen A on there that he didn't hit Stephen A. So if you don't hit me and I get something and I hit you like, hey, I'm hearing this and you not hitting me back, I ain't got no choice but to run with it. And I got a job to do. Exactly. And I think a lot of these players have seen so much of this, no, I don't fuck with the media. I don't fuck with the media. I don't fuck with the media shit that – now those narratives can just run rampant. Luckily for Jimmy, he can call Rachel Nichols after he uh go ham and practice, sit down and let everybody know what the fuck going on. But that's that because he's built a relationship. Like that night. Yeah, bro. <laughs> he left the, the he still street, had bro. his practice jersey on, dog. <laughs> this nigga had his practice jersey on. And for those of you who are listening to this, you know, like I said, two, three years, five, ten years in the future, we are referencing a time. <laughs> in which Jimmy Butler was still on the Minnesota Timberwolves and he was a starter and he said, fuck that, I'm going to run with the third string against the starters and the second team and the third string beat both teams. And then he walked out of practice. No, in the practice, he told the general manager and the owner, fucking pay me. You paying these soft-ass, bitch-ass niggas, fucking pay me and then he walked out and sat down and did a interview with Rachel Nichols for the jump mm. with the practice jersey still on. That's a nigga I want on my team, bro. I don't care. I don't care what nobody say. You can call him a, a cancer to the locker room, all of that shit. Because to people who actually know, 
that's coded language. Every time they say somebody is a cancer in a locker room, when you ask that locker room, don't none of them got that to say, <laughs> except Donovan McNabb. <laughs> Donovan McNabb teammates don't fuck with him. <laughs> but to transition out of that, let's get, let's get into our awards that we want to give, and then let's get on out of here. So we, for some of these awards, we're going to have what we call amateur awards, which are essentially college awards but you know you you also have some uh i know alex you in the golf and you know it may be something that is going on in the amateur golf shit that may have stood out for you oh, oh okay so i did i didn't want to i didn't <laughs> want to only silo it to professional in college because i do know that there are people who compete at a high level in golf as amateurs and I be seeing them on the ESPN top 10 and shit out. So, you know, I'm just trying to be cognizant of the, of the, of the oh. <laughs> you know, different markets that we serve, but we're going to start with amateur player of the year, male. Let's do man and woman. Cause I don't know how these people identify. So I'm just going to assume. So I'll start us off my amateur player of the year. Uh, man and woman, I got a tie for the men. I'm going Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow, um, almost exactly for the reasons that Jeff mentioned both of these guys earlier. Joe Burrow was just the picture of per- perfection on the football field as far as his ability to lead LSU, wield them to victory. Um, he made it look easy, and he handled it like what you would expect a quarterback would. Jalen Hurt, similarly, you know, losing his starting job in the national championship, transferring to a university where he was not guaranteed to start or play a lot, coming on the heels of two back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, and to come in and break records, set records, and do what he was able to do, uh, lead yet another program to the college football playoff. I just... I had to give it to him, and then um, yeah, I'll just go. I'll, I'll do that. So, who who are y'all's? Uh, you, you said man and woman. Do you have a woman for us? Uh, Sabrina Nescu. I was gonna say her too. She's the yeah. only Sab- she's the, uh, Sabrina Nescu. She's the only, uh, not the only. She's one of two to have scored two thousand plus points, as well as having a thousand assists. And she was on a crazy run pre-COVID to mm-hmm. potentially win a national title for the Oregon Ducks. So that's going to be my woman. And for amateur, I'm going to go Joe Burrow just because of his historical run. And also, honorable mention, I'm going Amani Bates because he seems to be the most legit and highly anticipated recruits since LeBron, in my opinion. I got you. Okay. Recently committed to Michigan State. Izzo. What about you, Alex? Okay. Uh, well, you know, y'all definitely <laughs> – I mean, if y'all knew that I got Sabrina's name up on my computer right now, I'm like, yeah, I know I got mine locked in, both these niggas and Sander. So um, (laughs) in terms of amateur woman of the year, man, I mean, I don't have another one, man. I I was struggling to come up with that one. So (laughs) for me, I am going to choose Sabrina. But, um, you know, for male, 
Uh, I mean, of course, y'all took Joe Burrow, but I'm gonna go ahead and go Lamelo. You was gonna go Lamelo. I can do um, that. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't an amateur. He played. Um, he played if you're not in the NBA, Australia. you're an amateur, man. If you're not, if you're not in the NBA, wow. man, you you amateur. <laughs> you amateur. Uh, that's you know that's why we send our college or used to you know send our college players. They go play the niggas around the world because you know that's the same level. But yeah, I'm gonna go Lamelo, man. Um, you know, awesome year in terms of what he was able to do. You know, pre NBA, and then obviously we've seen the results of that. Um, so yeah, he's my male. Or man, <laughs> amateur player of the year. Okay, let's go pro. We'll we'll keep it with you, Alex. Uh, hit okay. Jeff, and then I'll round us out. Okay, so in terms of male pro player of the year, how could I not go with LeBron James? Man, this man is in his what sixteenth, seventeenth season in the NBA and still performing at uh, an MVP level. Um, and some may say that he was snubbed for the MVP. Uh, he was able to was. return to – Yeah, I mean, I agree. He was able to return to the bubble, and not only that, was still hooping. Uh, and, of course, he had the help of Anthony Davis, which, I mean, it is a great help. I'm not going to front. Uh, but, you know, LeBron's still doing LeBron things uh, and showing or at least strengthening his campaign as uh, the GOAT. Uh, female. Pro Player of the Year going to go with Brianna Stewart, WNBA player. She won a championship this year as well as the finals MVP. This is her second championship. This is her second finals MVP. Uh, she's my age. She is my age, born in 94. Uh, that's amazing. What are you doing? So, um, <laughs> you know, like, look at me. I'm just – uh, you know, up at night with Jeff and bro, Nate that's how I be feeling, bro. Watching these, and, watching these NBA players, yeah. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> what was I doing at 20? People <laughs> <laughs> working hard, not only hooping, but they working hard. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm begging myself to go to the gym. <laughs> Alex, you know chilling out, Max, and relaxing, all cool. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, who so, you got pro wise? Pro wise, I'm gonna roll with uh, for Woman of the Year, uh, Naomi Osaka. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yep. That for is. winning the 2020 U.S. Open, she had a she had a huge social media moment too with uh, her Black Lives Matter mask, as well as uh, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, having dating a rapper and having Corday there. Right. Shout out to him. And uh, for <laughs> male, I'm going to roll with LeBron just for his impact with the Black Lives Matter movement and what's all him just the social justice movement, what he did with the schools. Was that was that this year or was that previous year? I think that's I mean, last year when that was established. It was I think it was they had previous their first year. Class, right? Yep, he had like his that. first graduating class. I think 100% of them have their college paid for, I believe. So. Okay, mm. I'm rolling. Then you know what I'm saying? Won the, he won the title, obviously. So, rolling with LeBron. That's crazy, Jeff, because that, that, those are my picks for those exact reasons. <laughs> So I'm not even I'm not going to waste y'all time going through my version of what Jeff just said. Just know everything Jeff said. I'm fucking with it. Um, 
I'm gonna go. Let's go. Moment of the year for you, sports wise, and upset of the year. Uh, I'm gonna go. My moment of the year, sports wise, was the Lakers winning. Lakers winning the championship just because I feel like that iconic picture of Rajon Rondo and his son. Mm-hmm. Is going. That's that's a celebratory picture of 2020. Like that is a mood. If you had anything to celebrate in 2020, that is a mood picture uh, for you. And so, just the Lakers with everything that went into them making like making it through the bubble. You know what I mean? They were an older team, if if I'm not mistaken, the oldest team uh, by average age in the NBA. Um, coming in without. Avery Bradley, who had opted out. Rajon Rondo came into the bubble hurt. I don't think he played his first game until, what, the semifinals? Um, And so it was was like, you know, the cards were – they were the favorite, but the cards were not necessarily just stacked in their favor to to make it to that point. And so for them to win, for it to be, you know, LeBron's fourth – the way in which they had to win, uh, AD getting his, and just thinking about how many other people finally got rings. You know what I mean? It was it was just great to see. Uh, so yeah, I'm fucking with the Lakers winning, and my upset of the year is the Dayton Flyers not being able to show the country who it is that they were. Because I wholeheartedly believe that the Dayton Flyers would have won the NCAA championship in men's basketball. And I think that you would have seen a great shift in who and how we value black coaches, especially at the collegiate level. And that's actually because really, what he, that's a really good point about Anthony Brown. Like, because he, he, he's happen. single-handedly... It don't happen like that, dog. And he's a and he's a mid major school. He's at a mid major school, so that's that's a really good point. At a mid major school, with the talent that he had to cultivate it into the team that was able to do what they need to do. I mean, he's I'm gonna go on spoil it. Coach either. He's not like, oh, that's Penny Hardaway. Like he's not a huge name as far as like that's Penny mm-hmm. Hardaway or it's uh, Eric Snow or some guy coming back. Danny Manis. Like no, this dude. Worked his way up, so yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Planned, bro. He planned. He recruited. Shout out to my Neo Rodney. He was the uh, point guard on that team, but it was like I remember when he told us he was transferring to Dayton, and that the coach was like, you know, he he was really he was really sold. He bought into the program, and for them to be what they were. It was like, you know, even if, if you know, I didn't have connections to that team, to watch what they was doing. Because I remember when ESPN was like, okay, we got a mid-major bubbling, but, I mean, I don't know. And then OB took over the first tournament. Like, mm-hmm. them initial Christmas tournaments, it was nothing but OB topping, going ham, 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 doing work. And then all of a sudden you got Dayton in everybody's mouths, but it's still like, ah, oh, they're mid-major. I don't necessarily know how they're going to fare against boom, boom, boom. And I just really wish that they had the opportunity because that team from top to bottom, solid, good 
basketball team. Do y'all remember that team that uh it was a Pittsburgh team from it was a it was a long time ago. Jeff, you probably remember. It's a nigga who used to play for the Spurs. He was on that team. Dewan Blair. Shit. Dewan yeah. Blair. You remember that you remember that team with Dewan Blair and uh it was another it was a it was a I know the it was team a stretch four about. on that team. I know the team you're talking about. I don't know. uh, I can't get the name off top. But that's when the Big East was still the Big East, though. Yeah. But what's your point? They reminded me of that team. The talent that that Pitt team had, we all just felt like they caught a bad break in the tournament. But I wanted to see Dayton do what they were. They they were like the dark horse that was going to – like they were a fun team to root for. They weren't necessarily the underdog, but they were a team like – this is almost like a Cinderella, like this is their year type shit. Yep, and I feel like I feel in my bones that this 2020 was Dayton's year. That was the year, and it was you know unfortunately taken away from them due to the pandemic. And so that's my upset, uh, my upset moment of the year for 2020. Uh, just a reminder, moment of the year, upset of the year. Okay, for me. Moment of the year. I'm just going to roll with L.A. winning it. They won it for Kobe. Uh, and as well as seeing Dwight Howard, who I who I am one of the main people who's saying that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because a lot of people get lost in all the drama of what, not the drama, but the stuff that has surrounded Dwight Howard. Forget what level of player he once was. As far as him being mm-hmm. defensive player year, multiple years, the amount of times he was all NBA, all star, slam dunk champion, the list goes on. I, I was one of those people, and I've, I've since had to come to terms with the very thing that you said that I was incorrectly looking at that. So ju- I just wanted to make sure that that I uh, stood accountable before Alex tried to hold me accountable. I appreciate it. And then, I know uh, what I did it. Rajon Rondo being the first player to win with the Celtics as well as the Lakers. Then you got guys like um, J.R. Smith getting him one, even though he was a huge part. Danny Green doing his thing. Quinn Cook winning one, where his dad, uh, his him and his dad were huge Lakers fan. His dad has passed, so it's just little things like that. And then, of course, LeBron James for the naysayers is making it harder and harder for him to not acknowledge his place in history because he's one in Miami, he's one in Cleveland, he's one in LA. And he's not he's not a guy who's we obviously have guys who have won with other teams like Robert Horry, things like that. But to win finals MVPs in each of those, he's, you know what I'm saying, you just gotta you just I just think like we hinted on with Kobe I just want to, if anyone hears this, I want them to acknowledge, not not necessarily acknowledge, but don't let your this or this or that thought process get away from you from being able to appreciate the greatness that LeBron is because him being a generational talent isn't, there's not going to be another guy for some time who's going to be doing the exact same thing. And for upset of the year, 
gotta up that. Uh, upset of the year, March Madness being canceled, cause mm. that is a very special time for college students as well as the casual fan, whether it be someone who's doing their office bracket, whether it be at your church, uh, with your family, whatever it may be. Someone, it's something that gets everyone involved in and it's just very special, especially the first weekend. And for that moment not to happen, well, with that tournament not to happen this year, was just a little bit of pretty unfortunate for me. Not in like different college kids becoming a household name. Actually, I'll take that back. That, that actually, it's not, I don't take it back, but this is just a segue. I, the upset of the year is the guys who, with the NFL as well as the NBA, the guys who were maybe undrafted or late second round picks, whatever the case may be, who didn't really get a chance to prove themselves because of there not being a preseason. And with if any other year, there's guys. And they couldn't get year. on the basketball tournament team. Like, yeah. they didn't have the opportunity no, to get on no one of the, sum, the basketball There's no summer league. Team. And each year, there's a guy who comes out undrafted, who ends up making the team, whether it be the NFL or the NBA. And that didn't happen this year. And I think that's unfortunate because literally this pandemic has ended people's careers. Okay, well, it's my turn. Uh, so for 2020, uh, moment of the year. What am I doing? <laughs> you are doing year. your moment of the year and your uh, upset, of the, upset year. of the year. Yeah, so moment of the year, I'm just going to, you know, try to be different here. Um, you know, typically every year the first golf major that's played is the Masters. I mean, I'm sure everybody familiar with that tournament typically played in April. Uh, but, of course, this year it was postponed, and it was actually played in November. Um, that's actually, like, in terms of golf, like, it's it's a pretty big deal because you, you're typically playing a, a sport in spring, but now you're playing in Georgia in November, you know, one of the most important tournaments. So that was very different. Um, and it was highly anticipated as Tiger coming off his win last year, so everybody trying to see if he can do it again and all this and that. Um, but, yeah, I just think it was just a cool moment because that's probably the only Masters that will all ever be played in November, you know, and that's – and golf, that's like a big deal. So that's moment of the year. Upset of the year. I know we were talking about Jamal Murray and what he did, but, you know, given the context of – when the Nuggets were playing the Clippers and the Nuggets. I mean, obviously, we know Clippers been finals favorites since the beginning of the year, you know, but for Denver to come in, be down 3-1 to the Clippers and then come back and win that series in a seven-game series, um, you know, was just incredible. And I think definitely an upset. Uh, and, of course, open the jokes for the Clippers. I mean, the jokes were nonstop with Kawhi's performance and especially Paul George's performance. And it looks like he's come back this season with maybe a little vengeance. So, yeah, that's my upset of the year. 3-1 comeback from the Denver Nuggets. So, 
y'all got any any final thoughts on the sports world that was 2020? I'll let you uh, start us off, Jeff, um, and then I'll let you end us out, Alex. Yo, they just traded uh, Kevin Boyer Jr. to the Rockets. Damn, that shit yep. crazy. For a second round pick, dog. It's up, boy. Hey, I'm telling you, that boy is, hey, if, hey, if he doesn't hey, Houston get is his own be, way, it's up for that young man. They saying that he has some, that he may, and this is all hearsay. So let me, allegedly, let me be clear. Allegedly, they're alleging that, you know, he may be dealing with some mental uh, issues right now just with everything that's going on because we don't necessarily know how things impact different people. And so I'm seeing a lot of calls for him on social media for people to just not be so quick to judge with the situation that happened between him and Tory and Prince. I mean, anybody could. If you mm-hmm. coming off of a, a major win and then you come to your goddamn locker, it's so another nigga in your goddamn locker. I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna feel some type of way, but you know. And I hate to I say cape. all of that to say, huh? I I hate to cape, but it's just like, dude, like he's what, twenty years old, twenty not even twenty one years old? Like we all done did kids, some, bro. Yeah, like we all done did some stupid stuff and imagine having money and having everyone telling you how great you are. You right. think anything stupid that you do is cool. It's justified. Nigga, I am justified. a fucking millionaire. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, like so, you're not you're not gonna check me. Like, come on, man. Hell no, nah, hell no. Nah. But you got any wrap up points uh, uh for twenty twenty, Joe? No, nah, not on twenty twenty. Um, I got you. I don't have anything. All right. Well, you know, we appreciate you continuing to uh, be a be a guest, a reoccurring guest on the podcast. We finally got we finally got Jeff his own episode. You feel me? So shout out to wow. Jeff. We're gonna throw some applause in here right here. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I appreciate y'all having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we for real though, man. We I feel like we have some really great conversations. We appreciate the. Uh, points of view that you bring and, and the, the information and the, the level of detail that you always bring. And so I, I, every time we have you on either a wrap up show or we mention you on the pod, it's always like a nugget of information that I feel like just enhances whatever. Like we mentioned Sabrina Inescu, Alex, and this nigga came with stats. <laughs> you feel me? Like, so we really appreciate that shit, Jeff. Uh, the only the only uh, 2020 recap thing that I just want to make sure that we hit on is in 2020 uh, on June 22nd, NASCAR banned the Confederate flag, and Bubba Wallace was a leading voice behind that. The only um, African American NASCAR driver, and he then left his team. I think like two or three weeks later, and uh, became a joint owner and partner of a all black uh nascar team uh, that he drives for and so you know when we talk about you know the year that was 2020 you can't mention 2020 and not mention race and of all the negative and bad that happened uh to see something an establishment like nascar 
come out and say we not fucking with the Confederate flag, we banning that shit, and if you fuck with the American with the Confederate flag, we don't fuck with you. <laughs> and for them to say that in support of Bubba Wallace and to make him feel empowered, and for the other NASCAR drivers to you know support him for the most part, um, I definitely want to make sure that we shine a little light on that as well. Uh, AC, what you got to round us out? Oh, man. Only thing I got is, you know, we talked about just how hectic of a year, man, but at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to resonate with me the most is, you know, the loss of Kobe and his beautiful Mm -hmm. daughter, man. So rest in peace, Kobe and Gigi, man, to this day. We're coming up on the anniversary of one year, so um, I think it'll just give some more time, some more reflection on his impact and how it continues to be an impact even a year later and obviously it's going to be going on for years to come yeah yep for sure and i think kobe taught us and just 2020 taught us just man you never know when you're gonna see someone last and we always hear that but i think it was been a realization with 2020 and then man just appreciate people while they're here and regardless of how you think someone may feel about you or how you feel about a person or what they think you feel about them, man, make sure you communicate and give people their flowers while they're here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely that. Take the time to reflect and realize what people have been. You know, I know over the last two weeks specifically, you know, I, I've lost two, uh, two real pillars of my life. One, you know, kind of helped set the ground framework for, you know, my love of sports. And then, you know, one was one of my fraternity brothers who who allowed me to change the drive that I felt like I had with sports and learn how to channel it into, you know, what has now become my career. And so just taking the time to really, like Jeff said, appreciate and think back and give people their flowers. Um, because unfortunately, you know, I lost those two men uh, this within the last two weeks uh, specifically. And, you know, I'd given them their flowers at one point, but it's been a while. You dig what I'm saying? And so just thinking back on what they meant to me in death, if I would have just been a little bit more cognizant or just would have thought about it a little bit more, um, I would have been able to really appreciate what it is that they were in my life at that point. So, yeah, 2020 definitely taught us that. Um, as always, we continue to appreciate each and every one of you all listening to us. Uh, we still are breaking down the year that was, uh, 2020. So we got some other parts that will be coming as well. Uh, again, shout out to Jeff. Thank you for joining us this week. And to end us out, we are going to get to the motherfucking check and this week's episode is sponsored by Brax Candles, B-R-X, pronounced Brax. It's a natural scented soy wax candle company that was started in L.A. by a black queen. Shout out to Nikki. Um, and her goal in starting Brax is to give us more than just a sweet smell in the air. We want to create soothing ambiance that will give us both peace and serenity. So if you fuck with After Five, support us by copping a candle or two from Brax Candles. Use offer code five on it. That's F I V E O N I T to get ten percent off of your candle 
needs. Also, remember to like, subscribe, and engage with us on all social media platforms. That's at After Five Pod on Twitter and Instagram, After Five Podcast on Facebook. Um, you can check us out on anywhere that you listen to your podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We every motherfucking world. All that shit. Um, and so, AC, I'll let you talk to the people for a little bit and then we'll get on out of here. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't have nothing to say to the people, but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you continue to listen. Um, definitely cop you a candle, man. I, I mean, I just, I, this this kind of top secret, but, you know, I did find out that there's some new candles coming out, spring launch, you know what I'm saying? So you definitely want to be tuned in with our sponsor, man, BRXBraxCandles.com. Uh, promo code, again, five on it. Be sure to use that if you want to support your favorite podcast. But really, that's all I got, man. So on that note, man, it's been your boy AC. And your boy Nate B. Peace. Holla.